As always, it's an honor to be here with you this morning. It's hard for me to believe, but we are only eight sleeps away, eight sleeps away from Christmas. And so uh, if you haven't got your stuff ready, you might want to be thinking about it at least at this point. Uh, this coming Wednesday, uh, we'll be celebrating our first Christmas Eve service. And, and as I've said throughout this series, if you say, well, wait a minute, that's not Christmas Eve. We don't actually know when Christmas Eve actually was. And so it works. Uh, and so this Wednesday at 6.30, first Christmas Eve service. And then next Sunday, we won't have the 9 and 11 o'clock service. But we'll have our Christmas Eve services at 2, 4, and 6. And so as I've been saying, if you invite people to Christmas Eve service and they say they're busy on Christmas Eve, say, well, good news. We have one on Wednesday. Come on out and be a part of that. What a great gathering it's going to be uh, to come together and really celebrate the greatest love act ever in history. Jesus coming, God looking down at our predicament and saying, I'm going to be present. I'm going to dwell among them and to do it with the purpose of dying for our sins, being resurrected for our salvation. No greater love has ever been shown. And as we've been looking at the, the fruit of that love, if you will, the fruit of hope and love and joy and, and this morning peace, the, the fruit of being in relationship with him, what what a what. What an amazing thing for us to gather and celebrate, to understand that all that's possible, not because of just what Jesus has done, but what he's doing, that he's present, that he's present. When we look at peace and the peace candle was lit this morning, we talk about expectant peace. And, and when the world thinks about peace, they think of peace as the absence of conflict, the absence of conflict. And although there will be a time for us as believers in paradise to be in a place where there is no conflict, if your definition this morning is the absence of conflict, good luck. That since the fall, the world has been in chaos, and you know as well as I do that the absence of conflict does come, but it's very fleeting. It's moments. And yet what God wants to give us is an enduring peace. In fact, peace is not the absence of conflict, but the presence of Christ. Peace isn't the absence of conflict. It's really the presence of Christ. So we understand that when Christ's presence is in our life, it makes all the difference. That the definition the world uses, the absence of conflict, the circumstances then would dictate whether we can have peace or not. But when we understand what the Bible teaches us, that Christ's presence is peace, we can actually have peace in the midst of all the circumstances of life, the highs, the lows, whatever. We can have God's peace. I mean, if you look at it this way, I grew up going to the beach most of my life, and, and for, for many years, uh, I lived like 10 minutes from the beach when I was in Florida, even in Jersey, went down to the shore quite a bit, and, and so I, I, I spent a lot of time. Now, I'm a water person, and so when I go to the beach, I'm in the water most of the time to the chagrin of my poor mom, who, who would see me go way out too far, and sometimes have to be brought in by the lifeguards, but that's another whole story, another whole story. My brother was more of a beach person, and he would build his sandcastles. And I remember watching, and I didn't build a ton of sandcastles because I was in the water. But I'd watch him, and you know how it is. You build your sandcastle, right? And then all of a sudden, the water starts coming, and what do they do? They start building the little moat. And I can remember thinking, that's not going to work long. And of course, it doesn't. What happens? The waves come in and washes the sandcastle away. What's that have to do with peace? If we were to be honest, we do that. Like we build things in life and we think nothing's ever going to touch them. 
and yet the tumultuous waves of life are going to hit every area of our life. Isn't that true? It's going to touch relationships. It's going to, it's going to touch the stuff that we have. And yet as a believer, we understand that too. I mean, we're protective. We're protective of family. We're protective of our church family. We're protective of these things. And yet we understand that our peace isn't dictated by, by the, the, the waves staying away because they're not going to stay away. I'm, I'm here to encourage you this morning. <laughs> they're not going to stay away. But we can have peace in the midst of the tumultuous waves. Like that's the miracle of God. But this side of paradise, we can still have a, a foretaste of that peace that he has for us because the peace that the world offers is fleeting, but the, the Christian peace is a deep and enduring one. And, and the scripture speaks of it throughout its entirety. In the Old Testament, there's a prophecy that, that, that won't, won't surprise most of you. It's familiar to almost everyone in this room, everyone online. It's on Christmas cards, Isaiah 9, 6. God gives Isaiah this prophecy of the one to come, Jesus Christ. And Isaiah 9, 6 reads this way. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, and so when, when God gives Isaiah this prophecy, he gives him these titles, these descriptors of the one to come. And, and among those descriptors is this Prince of Peace. That, that Jesus, this, this, this title given to him, this descriptor of who he is, means that Jesus is actually the one who will bring peace. He's the one that brings reconciliation between us and God that allows for that peace. It, it implies that through Christ's birth, Christmas, his life, his death and resurrection, that, that he's established a divine peace between us and God, a, a peace that can consume us when we're aware of his presence. Isaiah 9, 6 declares Christ's role as the source of this expectant peace. And, and here's the point, that, that, that the peace that our soul so deeply desires, and I just want to say that all of our soul deeply desires peace, that the peace that our soul so deeply desires has been provided to us by Jesus Christ. In him and only him is that peace found. And a pronouncement of peace is actually found in the New Testament. So Isaiah gets a prophecy of the coming Christ. And then in the, in the shepherd's field, the angels give this proclamation of, of the birth of Christ. And part of it in Luke 2.14, they say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. I mean, just picture it. Shepherds in the field. Angels making this proclamation. Peace has come. The promised one has arrived. But then there's this, this statement. The peace is given to the ones whom God is pleased. Now, I don't know about you, but at first glance, that takes this message of hope and makes it a little troubling. Have you ever done something and you thought, God probably wasn't happy with that? What's the laughter about? I know you're laughing because the person next to you has done that, not you, but they. But, but you sit back and you're like, you know, I know he's not happy with that. And when you, when you look at that statement at first glance, doesn't it seem like, like, like who can measure up to that? Whom God is pleased? 
Like on my best day, really? And, and yet we have to understand it in context of what's being written here, what's being proclaimed here. That God's not pleased by what we have or haven't done. He's pleased by what his son Jesus has done. But the scripture's true if it says that he made him who knew no sin, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin, to carry our sin on the cross, so we could become the righteousness of God. Let that sort of simmer into your soul this morning. That God's pleasure with us isn't what we have or haven't done. God's pleasure with us is when we receive Christ and Jesus' righteousness is placed upon us. Now go back to it. It's, it's, it's a statement of hope. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom God is pleased. The peace found in Christ is for those who have what? Who have received him, who are in right relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And so it's, it, it's a profound reality that the peace our soul deeply desires has been provided to us by Jesus Christ and acquired by those who receive him as Savior and Lord in other words, this, this, this gift of peace isn't automatic. Like just because Jesus has come doesn't mean we'll have peace. We have to receive him. Yet the good news is we can receive him, right church? Like peace doesn't come automatically, but it's available to all who received him. And who can receive him? Everyone. For God so loved the world. By the way, you're part of the world. <laughs> no one's excluded from that. It's available to all. Now, even when we receive Christ, let's be honest, there are what I will call peace crushers out there. Each of the weeks of Advent, we've looked at some of these, and they're, they're very similar week to week to week, but, but there's, there's peace crushers. Even those of us who, who know that Jesus is, is large and in charge. You know, we, we've already in this service talked about the commercialism and if you've been around here long enough, you know that I like the sacred to the silly of Christmas. So I enjoy the lights. I enjoy all those things. Yet commercialism can get us so wrapped up into the stuff of Christmas that we forget the savior of Christmas. And it just sort of crushes our, our, our peace. We, we've got the stress and the busyness of the holiday. It amazes me, you know, how busy we can get. And in the midst of the busyness, that we're able to slow ourselves down for a minute to remember. It's amazing to me how many gatherings people go to that they don't want to be at. You know? There's like too much going on. And I'm like, maybe you should just say you can't be there. You're probably not going to be happy anyway. And they probably don't want you there if you're not going to be happy. So just don't go. He said, well, you know what now. But to, but to take some time and pause. I said this last week, I think one of the most important lessons we can learn, and by the way, it's vital for life, is to breathe. Just take a breath. How many breaths do we need to take and just, and just Jesus is here. He's here. To stop in the midst of those things. Family and relationships. I mean, they can be peace crushers. They can bring peace, but they can be peace crushers too if you're having difficulties in a relationship. And, and just to acknowledge God in the midst of those things. I, I've told people that, that when God designed me, he didn't give me that switch that tells me not to say things. 
And so over the years, what he's allowed to develop through the power of his spirit is a delay. And that's as far as I've gotten right now. And so things aren't said, not because I have the switch that goes, don't say it, but because I, I, I just have a delay. And it's like, it comes to my mind, and right before I say it, the spirit goes, ah, I wouldn't say that. And so there's times when I'm acknowledging Christ in the midst of a conversation, some conversations multiple times. And I'm not surprised by what I say, I'm surprised by what I don't say. <laughs> I don't know about you, but man, relationships and, and strained relationships can really be peace crushers in my life. How about loss and grief? I have three families right now close to me here in our church family who have just lost someone close to them and three different families, I mean, within the last two weeks. And that's, that's real hurt. It's real pain. It's loss. Worldly concerns, whether it be globally or just personally. I mean, we could go on and on. If we had time, we could put a whiteboard up here and just put name after that. But here's the thing. They're real. Look at me. They're real. Like all the things I listed are real. And they're not to be ignored and they're not to be sort of, you know, I hear people say, well, just speak against them. Well, you can talk against them all the one. You, you know, you can say, oh, I, just, I won't have loss anymore. You're fooling yourself. So to overcome the, these peace crushers, it's not about avoidance. It's, it's not about putting our head in the sand. It's not about saying, God, making me numb to these things. To maintain peace in the midst of all of this, what do we need to do? It's essential that we focus on the true meaning of the season, Jesus Christ. That we let him heal us of our pain. That we allow him to, to direct us in our conversation. That we allow him to, to, to give us some insight into the fact that, yeah, these difficulties are real in my life. Their difficulties are real in the world, but God is in control. Colossians 3.15, Paul's writing. And he writes very interestingly. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ, what? Rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. That's an interesting phrase, isn't it? Rule in your hearts. Like you think of peace as something sometimes passive, and yet here it's written as if it's something quite dominant. <laughs> to actually rule. In your hearts. How is that even possible? Well, when I think about a definition of a, that I usually use of a disciple of Jesus, it makes a little more sense to me that a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, is someone who's been saved by Jesus, being changed or transformed by Jesus, is following Jesus, right? And is on mission with Jesus. Now, what's that really mean? It means not my will, but his will be done, the peace of Christ rules in my heart when I allow Jesus to rule in my heart. When I allow his will to become my will. Like it's interesting that, that it's taken me a long time to really wrap my mind around the fact that, that my prayer isn't just, Lord God, help me surrender to your will, but in doing so, here's the part that I'm growing in. In doing so, help your will become my will. See the difference there? In other words, help me come in alignment with you. Help me take a moment and be realigned in, in, in how you want me to think and how you want me to feel and how you want me to behave so that I'm not just trying to force myself into doing something you want me to do, but I deeply want to do the things you want me to do so that when I do them, it, it's, it's our will, Lord. 
That's what it means for him really to rule in our hearts. It's not just like, just sort of take it over, God, and force me to be a better person. Because it really doesn't work that way, by the way. There's many a day I wish it just did, right? But it's, no, 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 walk with me, Craig. Let me change you step by step. None of us in this room are perfect, but I pray we're on the passage of being perfected by the Lord. Amen? Make me more like Jesus. Interestingly, the peace our, our soul's desire has been provided to us by Jesus Christ. It's acquired to all who receive him, but catch this, and live surrendered to his will. And there's the catch. Many a time I've, I've, I've sat with someone and they've said, look, I've received Jesus and I still don't feel peace. And I'll say, well, talk to me a little bit. And, and so many times it's I came to Jesus and yet I still lived the way I wanted to live before I came to Jesus. It's getting quiet in here. You know, like I, I admit Jesus is the son of God and I need him for salvation, but I don't really want to live differently. Like, why can't I just do things my way and get all these things I want? It just doesn't work that way. The scripture's really clear. And, and by the way, it's interesting that we fool ourselves into believing, or maybe we allow the enemy to deceive us into believing that we can do something contrary to the word of God. It's going to bring us something that's going to bless us. Like, God's not mean. His word lays out the way to live because it's the passageway to blessing. Come on, church. And so when we come to Jesus and we say, Lord, we, we want these things, these, this fruit of, of being your follower, to, to, be, to, to be immersed into your love and hope and joy and, yes, peace. The reality of it is it happens as we enter into a relationship with him, but also as we allow him to, to direct our steps to where walking with him down that passageway that allows for these things to actually be accomplished in our life. And so for me, Maybe it's just me. But when I'm not really sensing that love, sensing that, that joy or that hope, and yes, peace, I don't ask where God has gone. I'm starting to ask, where have I gone? Where's my heart? What's consuming it? And sometimes it's just the things of life. And God is so gracious. He's so loving to gently come beside me and say, let me take that from you. Let me take that from you so you can have peace. Whatever it is this morning that you're carrying, God wants to take that from you so you can have peace. And yet so many times I say, yes, Lord, take it. And then I go throughout the day or the week and all of a sudden I feel overwhelmed again. And you know what I find out? I've taken it back. So I've never done that. Here's the good news. People ask me, what do I do? Give it back again. Well, what if it takes 20, 30, 40? give it back again. It doesn't matter how many times. Is peace not worth it? Joy, are they not worth it? Give it back again. Peter, thinking he was a big deal, was talking about forgiveness. And, and he said, how many times should we forgive Jesus? And Peter's like, well, man, you know, I'm going to give him this big number. How about this number? It's a huge number. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Basically, you're going to forgive us often if they need to be forgiven. And we go, that's difficult. But let's turn it around. Jesus is given a picture of himself. How many times will Jesus forgive us? As many times as we ask. That's good news. How many times will he take then something from us that we need to give to him? 
as many times as we ask. That's good news. Why do we not ask? Why do we not give? Why do we not trust and just be honest and say, Lord, I trust you, but help me in my lack of trust. Make your will my will. Help me walk with you. Finding God's peace through surrender means really giving things, things up. But we find in scripture that anytime we give something up, what we receive is so much better. In fact, the scripture is real clear. It says, listen, don't be anxious for nothing. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Be, don't be anxious for anything. But in all things, through prayer, supplication, make your request be known to God with thanksgiving. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind, Christ Jesus. Come to him. Oh, Lord, take this from me. And the thanksgiving part is saying, thank you for taking it, but thank you for being faithful. And, and thank you for the ways you've been faithful in the past. And as I read scripture, thank you for these testimonies of your faithfulness. Of people who have gone through real difficult situations. Nothing I'd ever want to go through myself, but you've been faithful to them and you'll be faithful to me. Take this. Fill me with your peace. Surrendering to God is central to the Christian life. But it's also the path to, to peace and spiritual fulfillment. How unfortunate. How unfortunate we can find ourselves in the trap of just wanting to do life our own way. When God says, just go my way. How many parents out there? Anyone's ever been a child? I always like everyone to feel included. If you've ever cared for somebody and you know they're going down the wrong path, Ever been there? It's heart-wrenching. It's like there's an easier way. Just go this way. Any of you have those kids that just, or were those kids who just had to learn your way? It's heartbreaking. And yet God says, here it is. I'll lay it out for you. Just go down this path. Just go down this path. But you know what that takes? Acknowledging. Acknowledging Jesus. Awareness of his presence, desiring him. I was thinking about this, and, and, and this was many Christmases ago now, but it was Christmas season, and my oldest was still in high school. And I, I, I was trying to figure out, I have to ask my wife after service, but I, she had a Christmas concert, and for whatever reason, my wife couldn't go to it. I can't figure out whether she had something, she's a teacher, so maybe she had something at her school, or we have three kids, maybe we divided and conquered you remember that during the season, you know, I'll go to this, you go to that. I'm not really sure, but I was the only one that showed up to that. And, and I remember going in, it was a busy season. It's Christmas season. I just remember really, I hate to say this, my daughter's even in the service, but I was like, man, I don't want to be here, you know? <laughs> and, and I didn't really want to be around large group and I'm an extrovert, but me, I was, I was done with it. But I wanted to be there for her. And, and so I went in and the lights went down. And to my surprise, they, they not only were they singing Christmas songs, but they sung a lot of sacred Christmas songs. And I started to really just sit there and breathe and take it in. And before I knew it, by the end of the concert, I had been realigned. Like I needed that. I, I just was realigned. And I felt so much peace. Now, by the way, I left and it was still a busy season. Still things going on. But what made all the difference was I was focused on Christ. And that's what makes the difference 
for all of us. Where's our focus? Where's our focus? What's our real desire? And here's the good news. That the peace that, that our soul so deeply desires has been provided by Jesus and it's accessible. It's, it's, it's something we can acquire, all of us can acquire by receiving Christ as Savior and Lord and surrendering to his will. Surrendering to him. That God's peace is really the assurance that despite life's chaos, despite life's chaos, that the birth of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection has brought this, this lasting, deep peace into our life, making it available to us. And yes, as we await paradise, when Jesus returns, when all the chaos will be gone, how great will that be? As we await that, today we can have peace. Today you can have peace in Jesus. You just gotta rest in him. Focus on him. He's available to you. He's available to you. That the God who, who looked down on us and realized our predicament and that we couldn't get ourselves out of it. The God who showed up, moved into our neighborhood, as one translation says, dwelt among us for the purpose of giving his life so that his righteousness would cover us, so we would be pleasing to God. Who left his very spirit, the essence of spirit this morning, so we could be in relationship with him continually. That God offers you peace here and now. I hope you don't leave here without being realigned to what he has for you. So that as he's blessed our gathering, as we scatter throughout this region, but they can tell we've been together in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the joy of being able to gather here this morning with my brothers and sisters in Christ and those who are sort of investigating who you are. And we come to really put your glory on display. And how do we do that? Well, we do that through our fellowship. We do that through our love for one another, our prayer for one another, our celebrating you through worship songs and baptism, and looking at your word. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we understand that the world and even ourselves can fall into the trap of using their definition that peace is the, the absence of conflict. But we thank you that you are a God of miracles and that your peace is one that we can have even in the midst of the tumultuous storms of life. And so I just pray in the quietness of this moment that you just meet us where we're at. You're so faithful to do that whatever we brought into this room, that we would allow you, Lord God, to take that from us, that you would teach us how to give it to you. And for the person who said, I've given it to him many times, give it to him again. Give it to him again. Lord, as we surrender to your will, I pray that we wouldn't just surrender to it, but we would literally say, rule our hearts, make your will our will, God. Because we thank you that you've made this peace available to us through Jesus Christ. That as we receive him as Lord and Savior, and I pray if there's anyone who's yet to do that, whether in this room, online, wherever, that even now in the quietness of their heart, they say, Lord Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for dying for my sins, being resurrected for my salvation. As we receive you and walk with you, God, 
that you fill us with that peace. Realign us to you. And thank you for being so patient and gracious to us. Your love is is so profound, so all-consuming. And we praise you for it. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.